welcome to the Morning Brewers 2. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. Full episode this week. Next week will be quick thoughts. I'll probably do a quick thoughts and a full episode just because football season is coming up right around the corner. But I want to start today's show off talking about Scott Frost and Nebraska. They played Illinois. Illinois beat them in the week zero game last season. It's kind of a a story because they're not Nebraska had a lot of hype, you know, and they they weren't really good. Here's the thing. I remember back around when Scott Frost was the coach of UCF. Remember they went undefeated, they were the national champs, all that stuff. That's when this whole like expanding the college football playoff stuff began. And because they wanted to see UCF play Alabama, even though UCF would have been murdered and probably blown out 63 to nothing on national television in front of millions of people, people want to see that extended playoffs. That's what they want to see, expanded playoffs because of what UCF did. They crowned themselves national champs, all that stuff. Scott Frost then went back to his alma mater in Nebraska, and he's supposed to be the guy, just like Harbaugh did in, just like Jim Harbaugh, over in Michigan. You know, he's the guy. He's the Michigan guy. He's going to turn us around because he knows what Michigan's like. It's the same thing with Scott Frost. He, he played quarterback there at Nebraska. He had played in Nebraska, so he knows what Nebraska football is supposed to be. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be, Nebraska football. He knows it. He's going to bring it back. We're going to be back to where we were a long time ago. But they haven't been that. And so here's my thoughts on Scott Frost. Scott Frost is a cautionary tale of us crowning these young and upcoming coaches as the next Boy Wonders. Remember a couple years ago when Lincoln Riley was pumping out guys like Baker Mayfield. He's pumping out guys like Kyler Murray. He resurrected Jalen Hurts's football career he's probably going to pump out Spencer Rattler's a top two maybe even the number one overall pick and everyone's like Lincoln Riley to the Dallas Cowboys Lincoln Riley to to this team Lincoln Riley to that team Lincoln Riley he's going to tear it up in the NFL let's pump the brakes on the boy wonder thing because you know how many coaches go to the NFL and succeed not very many Pete Carroll did on his second time his first time didn't go well Nick Saban failed. Um, let's see here. Who else? You know, you, you look at Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's the exception. Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer came in. He adopted the team that Jimmy Johnson had put together. Coaches don't have a lot of success in the NFL. P.J. Fleck went f- from Central Michigan Western Michigan, to coaching Minnesota, Big Ten team. And Minnesota, two years ago, not last year, was competing. They were going crazy. Tanner Morgan was looking really good. Looked like he may be the guy, one of the, the top, you know, seven, eight quarterbacks in last year's draft. He might get drafted in the second round, be a really good guy. And then it kind of fell off last year. And, I, you know, when you think about it, you talk about it, P.J. Fleck has had more success so far than Scott Frost, but not much. Scott Frost is a cautionary tale of these up-and-coming young coaches. 
before we before we start handing them a job, before we start handing them the limelight, let's have them work up a little bit. Let's have them, let's have them work their way up the, the ranks a little bit before we start handing them big boy jobs because Scott Frost is showing you he can't handle a big boy job. But Stewart, look at Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley coached a few years under Bob Stoops, who's one of the best coaches of all time. So yeah, you're right. You know, look at look at Lincoln Riley. Look at how good he did because he had a great mentor in Bob Stoops. He had a great mentor in a guy that had once played the game or had once coached the game at a high level. That's his mentor, Bob Stoops. Who was Scott Frost's mentor? Nobody. He took a guy who at one point, Adrian Martinez, at one point in time in his career, people said was going to be a, a draft pick. He kind of fallen off the rails. And by off the rails, I mean like you're going over the hill, the hill, and he just plummets straight down to the ground. That's what has happened in Nebraska. Scott Frost, to me, is a cautionary tale for all these future young coaches who are coaching at the UCFs of the world, who are coaching at the Coastal Carolinas, except for Hugh Freeze. His, Hugh Freeze has, has been there, done that before. He he knows. Um, you know, coaching at the Northwest Mountain State University of Missouri. Like, let's pump the brakes before we start handing you jobs at Nebraska, Wisconsin, Ohio State, you know, Ole Miss. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Even guys like Lane Kiffin, who had coached in the NFL, who had coached at Tennessee, had to go back and coach at a smaller school before he got the job at Ole Miss. He had to go and coach at FAU. But, well, Stewart, I mean, you just said the small schools. Don't don't take coaches who can coach there. You're right, I did say that. But again, just like in Rinkin Riley's case, Lane Kiffin had coached under the greatest college football coach of all time. He had coached under the greatest college football coach of all time in Nick Saban. So by the time he got to FAU, he had learned, he had he had you know, studied, he become a better coach, and now at Ole Miss, things may turn around for Lane Kiffin. All right, so now I want to transition into this. I want to transition into the NFL. And I was listening to the Jay Stevens podcast. I've talked about Jay Stevens before. I've been on his podcast, um, and he's he's a really good listener. For those of you who haven't listened, go listen to the Jay Stevens podcast or the Locked On or Locked On Buckeyes podcast over on the Locked In or Locked On Network. But he brought up this this thing about quarterbacks and, and athletes in general. And I, I've, I've always applied this to quarterbacks. He said, you know, three to five years is where we, we figure out who you are, right? And I've said this for years. I have said for years, by year three, we know who you are as a quarterback. That's why I was harsh on Blake Bortles because it's four years and – we're still saying, this is the year the guy breaks out. That's why I'm harsh on Jameis Winston, because it's been five years, and the best year of Jameis Winston's career, he threw for 30 picks. The best season Jameis Winston's ever had, he threw 30 interceptions. And that, it was also year five in the league. Like, we know what you are by year three to five. I have said this every single step of the way. And this ain't a, this ain't a Jameis Winston rant. Not yet. I'm getting to that one later. But 
Drew Locke lost his job to Teddy Bridgewater. And here's the thing with, with Drew Locke losing his job to Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke came out the year after Josh Allen. And I said the same thing about Drew Locke that I said about Josh Allen. I happened to be right about Drew Locke. Josh Allen, not so much. And I'm glad I wasn't right. Again, I don't like to root against these guys. I want them to be successful. I want them to go out, light the world on fire, be a league MVP, and make me have to eat my words and say, man, I, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong on, on Josh Allen. I didn't think he'd be in the league the past four years. I thought the Bills would be drafting another quarterback four years later. I was wrong. He's likely going to be there for a decade to 15 years and probably win multiple MVPs and compete for a Super Bowl at some point in his career, if I had to assume. Drew Locke, on the other hand, has not. Drew Locke did exactly what I said he would do. He would get on his knees during the, his pro day. He would throw the ball 70 yards. And these TV scouts and regular scouts and these mock drafts would start having to move up the board. And what happened? He got on his knees, there was pro day, threw the ball 70 yards in the air, and guys like Chris Sims started having him as their number one quarterback or number two quarterback in their quarterback rankings. Mel Kuyper started losing his mind. Then all of a sudden, these anonymous scouts started coming out saying how Drew Locke is maybe better than Kyler Murray and maybe better than Dwayne Haskins and all this stuff and how he's the second best quarterback and He's been moving up people's boards, and just like you do every draft year, Drew Locke. I, it happened. It happened the way I said. Now, apparently the Denver Broncos told you what they thought about him because they took him in year or round two. I said from the beginning that Drew Locke was a great value version of Jay Cutler. He was a Walmart version of Jay Cutler. I've said that from the beginning. He's got a strong arm like Jay Cutler. A bad attitude about the game like Jay Cutler. I'm not convinced he truly loves football as much as he loves the things that football provides for him. Those type of things. He, he can make. He has a fantastic arm. can make all the throws. I thought he was going to win a lot more games than he did, kind of like Jay Cutler did, but I, I ultimately thought he was going to be a poor man's Jay Cutler. And I'm wrong. He didn't even live up to that. He's been almost... Closer to just a slightly better version of Jamarcus Russell. That's what he's been. Listen, Drew Locke has been the epitome of three years tells you what it is. Heck, it wasn't even three years that Drew Locke is what he is. People are like, well, why? Why would you start Teddy Bridgewater when we know what Teddy Bridgewater is? But there's so much unlocked potential, untapped potential with Drew Locke. Because we know what Drew Locke is as well. He's a guy that's got a big arm. Can throw the ball from here to... Can throw the ball from Colorado to, to California. Like, he's got a big arm. Got He ain't got much else. There, there isn't much else there for Drew Locke. Again, Drew Locke is the definition. Three to five years. Three to five years. Three years, you know what you get. The first year, it's kind of your rookie year. You're kind of like, oh, okay, it's their first year. The second year, all right, people got some film on you. Maybe, you know, you have to learn how to adjust, and maybe you don't adjust till late in the season. The third year, there's no excuse. 
people have film on you. You figured out, okay, now people have film on me. I have to adjust. Now it's time to be a pro. Year three, it ain't working. That's why I've been rough on guys like Jameis Winston. That's why I've been rough on guys like Blake Bortles. Because it's year three, it's year four, it's year five, and we're still waiting for you to break out. It's year three, it's year four, it's year five, and we're still saying, this is the year. Hey, it's come, and it's gone. It's over. Drew Locke has reached that three- to five-year peak, and we know what he is. Three to five years, you know what a player is, right? Like, you know that a player is good or he's not. And we know at the three-year mark, actually probably less than that, at the three-year mark, Drew Locke is not good. He was drafted in 2019, so he played the 2019 season, last year, and this year. It's his third year. We know what he is. He's not a good quarterback in the NFL. If he was going to be the name to starter in Denver, he was the 32nd ranked starting quarterback out of all 32 quarterbacks in the league. We know what he is. He's a backup, if that. He may be out of the league next year. I'm sure somebody will sign him because he's got a cannon for an arm, but the guy can't play football. It's done. Listen, he tore it up in Missouri. Congratulations. Tim Tebow dominated in college. How'd that work out for him? Congratulations, Drew. Sam, Sam Bradford tore it up in Oklahoma. How'd that work out for him? Not so well in the NFL. Colt McCoy tore it up in Texas. How'd that work out for him? He's a career backup. My point is, three to five years, we know what you are. It's the third year mark. Drew Locke's at best a backup. We know. So all these people who are saying, I don't understand why they started Teddy Bridgewater. Because they know what Teddy Bridgewater is. Yes. We know that you're going to get 3,000 yards to Teddy Bridgewater and like 14 or 15 touchdowns, but you're also not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to win you games, but he's also not going to lose you games either. Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy you, you write home to your mom about and say, man, look at this guy. But Drew Locke is not a guy I would march out there at week one and feel comfortable as my starting quarterback. The three- to five-year mark, Drew Locke has reached his three-year mark. I've been saying this forever, and I was stoked when I heard when I listened to Jay Stevens' podcast, and he said the same thing that I said. Because I've been saying it for years. By year three, we know what you are. By year three, we know. If 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 we have to get to year five and we're still waiting for you to break out, then you're not you're not gonna you're not good. You're not good. If we have to wait for year five for you to break out, then we know what you are. You're a ba- you're backup, maybe an average starter, but you're not the guy that you were. Drew Locke is a career backup. That's what he is at best. At best, he's a career backup. We'll see. He may be like Josh Rosen next year. I don't know if he'll be on the team. He probably will be because he's got a cannon for an arm, but Drew Locke's not a good football player. Not as good as people thought he was coming out. I've watched Drew Locke play. I, I'm, I've watched him play. I watched him play in Missouri. And I predicted this. I watched him play in Denver. And this is what I said. I've watched him play football. I, I, I told you what was going to happen. And it's happened. So Drew Locke is the backup to Teddy Bridgewater. Because Drew Locke is a great value version of Jay Cutler. And Jay Cutler was nothing to write home to mom about, really. So now I want to transition to this. Jameis Winston was named the starting quarterback for the 
um, New Orleans Saints. And I just want to say, of course, of course he's the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Like, could you imagine if Jameis Winston, like, you think I'm rough, rough on Jameis Winston now? You think I'm rough on him now? Imagine how rough I would be on Jameis Winston. The number former number one overall pick, former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, a guy who everyone says he threw for 5,000 yards, he's going to turn it around. Could you imagine how rough I would have been if he had lost to a glorified gadget player? A glorified Tim Tebow? If if he would have lost the starting job to Taysom Hill, who's a glorified Tim Tebow, he's a, he's a glorified Cordell Stewart. You remember Slash used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers? They call him Slash because he could be a quarterback, slash running back, slash receiver, slash this, slash that. So they call him Slash. You remember those? Because I do. That's what I'm saying. Taysom Hill's a quarterback, slash tight end, slash running back, slash special teams player. That's what he is. He He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. And if Jameis Winston would have lost the starting job to Taysom Hill, like, you think I was rough. You think I'm rough now? You think I was rough in the past? You, you would have had no idea how rough I would have been on Jameis Winston had he lost a starting job to a glorified Antoine Randall-L. Like, I mean, that's what he is. He's a glorified college quarterback who who played quarterback in college, who's got some athletic ability that doesn't want to give up on his dream and hasn't fully transitioned into the position of playing wide receiver, tight end, running back, and he's still holding on to it because maybe he'll get one last go around, right? Man. So when people come to me and they tell me like, oh, see, I told you, Jameis Winston's going to be the starter in New Orleans. Look at that. I'm going to say, of course. Of course he will. He should be. Because if he wasn't, there's a problem. Jameis Winston has played quarterback his entire life. He's been the prodigy his entire life. He's been the next great insert quarterback name here his entire life. But this guy doesn't mean he's the doesn't mean he's good. Does doesn't mean he's gonna have a great year. Doesn't mean he's gonna be an MVP candidate all of a sudden. Nah man. It's still Jameis. Until proven otherwise, it's that three to five year mark. It's been five years. We know what you are, Jameis. At best you're you're an average starting quarterback at best. I think I had you at twenty three. You're the twenty third best starting quarterback in the league. Think about this. Everyone's losing their mind for Jameis Winston and, and how good Jameis can be, right? Like They're talking about how good a guy like Jameis Winston can be in the best year Jameis Winston's ever put together. He threw 30 picks. Think about that. If your best season is not only your fifth year in the league, but also a year where you throw 30 interceptions, if that was... Andrew Luck? Oh, if that was Carson Wentz, could you imagine the heat Carson Wentz would have gotten and would still get? It's not like you think it's bad now. It would have been 10 times worse if he threw 30 picks last year and 33 touchdowns and 5,000 yards because everybody had been like, man, his best year. But, man, he threw 30 picks. 
Like everyone thinks that because I'm harping that I'm not focused on the positives. Listen, what Jameis Winston did, congratulations, you do for 5,000 yards. Yards don't win games. I don't care who you are. Drew Brees threw for 5,000 yards. He's got one ring to show for it. Congratulations, Drew. Congratulations. Maybe if you were throwing for 4,000, handed the ball off a little bit, maybe you have two rings. I don't know. Maybe. Congratulations. You threw for 5,000 yards. Congratulations. You threw for 30 touchdowns. But your team went 8-8 eight and eight because you threw 30 picks. Like, that's the problem. That's the problem I have with these guys who tell me Jameis Winston is going to, you know, ball out this year. So, yeah, when people come to me and they tell me, well, Stuart, look, I told you he's going to be the starting quarterback. I told you. I told you. Look. I knew he was going to be the starter over there in New Orleans. I knew he was going to be successful. I told you. He should be. I mean, he should, he should be. He beat out a glorified gadget player for the starting quarterback position. Congratulations, Jameis. Let me give you a good old handshake and good pat on the back and say, that a boy. He should have. He's a former number one overall pick. He's a former, this guy is the next great insert name here. Jameis should have beaten Taysom Hill. You're not going to get me to be like, ah, man, I was wrong about Jameis because he beat out a glorified gadget player. Let's let's watch him play this season. If he plays this season, and also if he starts off well, I'm not going to be like, well, I was wrong because there's also a back half of the year as well. Let's play a full season. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Either way, I'll let you know. But I'm not going to be all happy and be like, well, dang, I was wrong because he beat out Taysom Hill. You're, you're not going to get me to to admit that, you know, I was wrong because he beat out Taysom Hill. So now we're going to transition into this. The Jags traded Gardner Minshew to the Philadelphia Eagles. And this affects both teams a lot more than you think it does. It really does. Let me go to, let me start with Philadelphia first. Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback. He's officially been named by Nick Sirianni as the starting quarterback in Philadelphia. Joe Flacco's his backup. Gardner Minshew's the third string guy. But Gardner Minshew has shown he can play the game at a starting quarterback level. He has. Back half of the league starting quarterback level, but he's shown he can do it. So is Joe Flacco, you could argue, but Joe Flacco's on the back half of his career. He's on the back nine, not the front nine. So his career is kind of, you know, going down. So I look at, you know, Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew is going to come into practice. And Nick Sirianni is going to start watching him throw. And I can almost guarantee you he's going to be like, dang, guy's got an arm. He's very accurate with the football. He's got confidence. Dang. Oh, man. This is this is what a quarterback looks like? Hey, right, nothing against Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is a running back. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is a is, you know, not a quarterback. I'm not that guy. But what I'm trying to get at is this. Gardner Mitchell's a better thrower of the football. Got a bigger arm. More confident and has played in the league a lot longer than Jalen Hurts. In my opinion, he's a better quarterback right now at this given point in time than, you know, Jalen Hurts. 
that's what he is. He's a better quarterback at this point in time than Jalen Hurts. And so, therefore, I would take Gardner Minshew over Jalen Hurts. Now, he's the third-string quarterback he's, because, he's, you know, got to earn your stripes. That's how the NFL works. That's how Nick Sirianni works. Whatever. By year, by week three or four, Gardner Minshew is going to be the backup. And then Jalen Hurts better be careful because if Jalen Hurts slips up, starts turning the ball over, isn't playing well, the Minshew mania is going to start. They're going to put Gardner in, and they could all just for Jalen Hurts. It could. It could all blow up for Jalen Hurts because Gardner Minshew, although not a top 15, top 10, top 5 quarterback in the league, is a starting quarterback, I, I believe. Not a very good one. Hey, you know, also back going back to what Jay Stevens again, he's the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Jay Stevens said that the Eagles have three backups, and one of them is going to be their starter. See, not the only one that thinks Jalen Hurts is a backup around here. That's right. Not the only one that thinks Jalen Hurts not even worthy of being a starting quarterback. All right. Nothing against Jalen. It's not anything personal. I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's nothing against him as a person or any of that. It's just what I've seen from Jalen as a player. I do not find Jalen Hurts to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't. I mean, here's the thing. I said this coming out that Jalen Hurts benefited from having Lincoln Riley and playing in the Big 12. And... You know, I'm not going to lose my mind over a guy who played in, I mean, he played four games, he started four games last year. His completion percentage in those four games was 52%. 52%. Do you understand what you have to do in the NFL? What, what the average completion percentage in the NFL is? Do you understand? It's like 66%. You can survive completing about 60 to 62%, but to be really good, it's about 66%. Jalen Hurts is at 52. He's not even in the ballpark. Not even in the ballpark. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about, 52%. The guy can play four games. He can't even complete 66% of your passes in four games. Four. That's, that's all I ask for, four games. And that game that he played so darn well in versus the Saints, he completed 56% of his passes. 56. Had a quarterback rating of 87. Remember that Saints game when he came in and everyone was like, this is the game? Yeah, he threw. He completed 87% of his passes. How about the next week versus the Cardinals where he threw for 338 yards? Again, congratulations. You threw 338 yards. Yards don't win games. He threw, oh, yeah. 54% of his passes and zero picks. So let's look at, oh, yeah, Dallas. He completed 53% of his passes. Washington, 35%. So you look at all these games, 41 in Green Bay, 56 against New Orleans, when he supposedly really popped off and really tore it up against the Saints. Really good defense. Cardinals, 54%. The Cowboys, 53%. Washington, a real defense, 35%. He has a career completion percentage of 52% in four games. 
Stewart's only four games. Come on, man. You're right. You're right. But he played a variety of different defenses. The Saints, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, who basically playing the Big 12, didn't have a defense last year. I mean, pretty much they were like Oklahoma out there. He threw for 342 yards. Congratulations, but he only threw one touchdown compared to three intercept or two interceptions. Had an 80 QBR. <laughs> that sounds like the next Hall of Fame quarterback, doesn't it? Woohoo! That's the point. Again, not trying to to harp on a guy like Jalen Hurts. I'm really not. I'm not trying to be a, a you know a, a Debbie Downer, a negative Nancy. I'm not trying to be the good off my lawn guy. I'm not. But you don't win games completing 52% of your passes. You have a career complete completion percentage of 52%. You don't win games in the NFL completing 52% of your passes. So they're going to hand them the reins to the car, but you better look out because I'm telling you, Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback. And the second thing start to go bad for old boy up there in, in Philadelphia, the next old boy behind him, is going to turn around and potentially take his job. Now let's turn our attention to the other team involved in this trade by the name of Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars traded Gardner Minshew after he supposedly won or lost this battle that never really existed to Trevor Lawrence. And... This kind of bugs me because all Jacksonville has to do is look at their AFC counterpart, their AFC South partner, to understand what happens when you don't have a good backup. Also paired with a non-good offensive line and a once-in-a-generation talented quarterback. And if he gets, if Trevor Lawrence is going to get hit anywhere near the way he got hit versus the Saints, it's not going to be good. Because the Saints are not really, you know, they're one of the better defenses. They're not going to take it easy on them. Neither are the other teams. I say that to say this. You don't get life insurance when you go to the doctor and he tells you you got six months left to live. No, you don't You don't get life insurance. And you're probably not going to get approved, first of all. But you definitely don't get life insurance when you go to the doctor and he says, hey, you got six months to live. Why? One, it's expensive. Two, you're not going to get as much as you would like to get because of how expensive it's going to be. So what do you do? Man, you get a good you get a good insurance policy when you're younger because it's cheap. It's, you know, you can pay it over the long haul. You don't have to worry about it when you're older. The Jacksonville Jaguars just traded away their life insurance policy. Gardner Minshew, you know, Gardner Minshew was a guy who's at least started in the league, at least played in the league. If Trevor Lawrence goes down, congratulations. You got some guy from Dunkin' Donuts throwing touchdown passes to LaVisca Chenault. Congratulations winning three games this year. Like, like that's the problem. That's the thing I have with this, with them trading Gardner Minshew to the Eagles is who's going to back up Trevor Lawrence if he happens to go down? You may never use your life insurance policy. Hopefully you don't, but you may have to. Now you went from having an A1 insurance policy, you went from having State Farm or Allstate to having the general. You know what I mean? So that's my thoughts on those. 
on the trades. That's the show today. Um, if you if you enjoyed the podcast, please listen. You know, share with your friends. DM it to them. You know, spam it in their messages, spam it in their DMs. Everything, please help spread the word and uh, have a good day, good afternoon, good night, whatever it is. You have a good one.